Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Eruk the end of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfin. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nachvetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestin Echo. Vientolum again omgrev or corn rachtum. Yatakshatorin Graven or Corson, Elistuhalagus Gimina Fracht, Gorokligs or Dukashin Echor. Only Venown, Thordorakshin. Shachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo Daily is democracy on the ballot in the US midterm elections. For more than two centuries, America has been a beacon to the world. But as I stand here tonight, equality and democracy are under assault. We do ourselves no favor to pretend otherwise. For many Americans, these midterm elections are the most important in the nation's history, with the future of Joe Biden and Donald Trump literally on the line. I think it's a civil war. I think that's the only thing that's gonna bring America back together after this election, if we lose. We're out of options. No longer are elections purely based on what Bill Clinton termed economy stupid. Now, Democrats and Republicans are going head-to-head in a personalised, all-out culture war. Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. If I announced that I was not going to run for office, the persecution of Donald Trump would immediately stop. We know that. Everybody knows that. But that's what they want me to do. And you know what? There's no chance I do that. There's just no chance I do that. I can't. And while both parties stoke the political divide, we see the growth of violent attacks against the nation's lawmakers and peacekeepers. New, horrific details are emerging about the attempted violent attack against House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, the one that ended with the wounding and hospitalization of her husband with a hammer early Friday morning. Today on the Indo-Daily, I'm joined by Sunday Independent journalist and former CNN anchor Gina London to examine the importance of the US midterm elections, not only to America, but to the entire world. Gina London, before we get into the nitty gritty of all this, give me a crash course in the midterm elections. What are they? Why do they matter? Why are they being held? All right. All right. So here's the quick civics lesson for everybody out there in listening land. The president's term is four years, right? So the midterms is the name given to the election that takes place in between those presidential election years. All 435 members of the proportionately represented House stand for re-election every two years. That's a constitutional thing. And then over in the Senate, which is made up of two members from each state, no matter what the population, those guys and gals have terms of six years. So with rotating terms, roughly a third of them stand for re-election every two years. Depending on terms and vacancies, there's also a scattering of governorships and other state offices that are up 
during a midterm, and it varies state to state. And generally speaking, voter turnout is pretty low during the midterm rather than what we call the general or presidential election year. But there's so much at stake that this year the numbers are really up and voters are taking advantage of in-person and mail-in voting already, with about 6 million people already casting their votes by the time that we're recording this right now, Kevin, one week before official election day. And it looks like they're on track to match the record-setting turnout of the 2018 midterm elections. That is your quick civics lesson. For more than two centuries, America has been a beacon to the world. But as I stand here tonight, equality and democracy are under assault. We do ourselves no favor to pretend otherwise. There is quite a bit at stake then. A lot of governor's mansions, a lot of roles as secretary of state. Um, and then in some ways, the, the, the houses and Joe Biden's ability to actually control the agenda is also at stake. Oh, yeah. Let's take them in the order that you said it, if I can remember. We've got the governors in key swing states. Four in particular could be really significant. Look for Nevada. Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania. Georgia, Pennsylvania in particular have some really colorful characters on the Democratic and the Republican sides. If you want to dig into that in a moment, we can. The Secretary of States. Now, these are super important because each one of those sit in a state, depending on where that state is, they are the ones that certify election results. So swing state like Arizona, where which has a really particularly interesting Secretary of State matchup. The guy who's running for Secretary of State on the Republican side, for example, that country, excuse me, that state was pivotal in its decision and its ultimate certification for Joe Biden in 2020. The guy on the Republican side who's running for Secretary of State there actually was at the Capitol on January 6th and was interviewed by the special committee on the January 6th riot. New CNN reporting on Mark Fincham, the Trump-endorsed Republican nominee for Secretary of State in Arizona, who calls himself a member of the far-right extremist Oath Keepers group. CNN's K-File team has uncovered several disturbing social media posts from Fincham, including a so-called treason watch list that he created featuring several high-profile Democrats and photographs of Barack Obama alongside imagery of a man clad in Nazi attire. That guy actually is current polling predicted to win. That puts a lot of things in stake and in jeopardy for 2024 presidential. Like, but if you look over at the House and the Senate, in the House, the Democrats currently hold a 2020 to 2012 majority. Republicans then need to gain a net of five districts to take over that chamber. And if they do, not only will that change a lot of the policies that they will be taking on board, but it's also going to change the leadership which means Nancy Pelosi will be out as speaker and Republican Kevin McCarthy will likely take over. In the Senate, then, it's neck and neck for the Republicans to take over the, the chamber there because it's right now split 50-50 and the Democrats control it because they've got that deciding vote coming from Vice President Kamala Harris. So Republicans need just one seat to tilt that precarious balance. So the contests, Kevin, are really close and the stakes are really high. And it's worth noting, as you kind of pointed out at the top, Gina, that neither Joe Biden nor that man Donald Trump's names are on any of these ballot papers, but their agendas, their policies, their their ideas for the next few years and beyond of America are there. So talk to me about what are the big platforms being debated as we get closer to polling day. Well, as you mentioned, Trump and Biden, of course, once the midterms are over, it really does start. 2024 presidential election season. So look to see 
if the Democrats don't do well, there might be real pressure on Biden as he gets older and the gaffes get bigger and more dramatic to not run for president. Although that's a whole other podcast for who would be in the wings around that that might be successful. Also look to see if Donald Trump actually does run. He's been making waves and there's all sorts of indications that his ego will not allow him to not run. But of course, there's Florida Governor Rob DeSantis and others that are potentially in the wings hoping that he doesn't run. But in addition to the presidential election, let's look at the immediate impact. Like I mentioned already, if the House switches to Republican, then you can look immediately on a global level impact, probably seeing the Republicans cut back on American support for Ukraine in its defense against Russia's illegal war right away. Because the Republicans, of course, are running right now on issues like putting down the high gas prices that are linked to the global economic crisis that are largely spurred by the war. The leader of the Republican Party, Donald Trump, recently praised the brilliance of Putin's invasion while criticizing his successor in the White House. I went in yesterday and there was a television screen and I said, this is genius. Putin declares as independent. Oh, that's wonderful. So Putin is now saying it's independent, a large section of Ukraine. I said, how smart is that? And he's going to go in and be a peacekeeper. That's the strongest peace force. We could use that on our southern border. And you know what the response was from Biden? There was no response. Also look for support around climate change that can be rolled back. And of course, there's a real ripple effect that can be almost felt now where we're looking at the world, looking at the U.S., what is it doing around the mess around abortion rights? As you know, the conservative PAC Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade this summer. And while Democrats are promising to uphold women's rights to have an abortion, Republicans are proposing a national ban on abortion nationwide after 15 weeks of pregnancy. If Republicans get their way with a national ban, it won't matter where you live in America. So let me be very clear. If such a bill were to pass in the next several years, I'll veto it. But we can't let it pass in the first instance. So in addition to all of those policy measures I mentioned, don't forget whoever controls Congress also controls committee investigations. So if the GOP takes over the House, expect to see the January 6th special committee come to an immediate end and look for them to launch a special committee or at least hold hearings on Joe Biden's son Hunter's business ties to China. That issue's been talked about for a long time, and it's not going away quietly. They've even said they'll, might, they would impeach President Biden, but they've not been clear on charges. So just go back a bit. These elections have the potential to kill off the January 6th investigation. We've seen bravery and honor in these hearings. And Ms. Matthews and Mr. Pottinger, both of you will be remembered for that, as will Cassidy Hutchinson. She sat here alone, took the oath, and testified before millions of Americans. She knew all along that she would be attacked by President Trump and by the 50, 60, and 70-year-old men who hide themselves behind executive privilege. It will kill off the, let me, let me see if I can make this clear, because of course these new people won't come in until January after the midterm elections take place. It won't be an immediate switch. So what you will see, though, very likely is that whatever the committee was preparing to do in addition will have to be wrapped up and handed over to the Department of Justice. Doesn't mean that their investigation and the, and the 
interviews and material that they've collected so far will go by the wayside because, of course, the Department of Justice is still the the body that would be bringing anything to further invest investigation and ultimately potentially put in criminal charges based on what they've they've amassed. But you're not going to see any more TV hearings or additional committee subpoenas or anything like that. And you're very likely, because we're getting close to the Christmas holiday and recess for Congress anyway, you're very, very unlikely to see President Trump ever actually appear before that committee that had issued that subpoena for him. I'm always, as having been a political editor and covered politics for years, I often found myself in a radio studio or even writing the old Bill Clinton quote of, it's economy stupid. When it comes to November's presidential election, the old adage from Bill Clinton's campaign, it's the economy stupid, has never been more appropriate. It's nearly always the economy that drives elections. That seems a dead quote now, something kind of a relic um, in some ways in how we think about politics in America, because the list of items you've put out there, everything down from the ban on abortions, we could probably open that out even further into what we've seen in Florida in terms of the education around LGBT rights. Um, Is there, inverted commas, a woke debate around all of this that is in some ways taking over from the kind of old-fashioned things about money in your pocket that we would have debated? Yeah, great question. Well, the culture wars is a clear division line between Republicans and Democrats. As you mentioned, the Republicans try to make a big issue around gender issues and what they call critical race theory. And, hey, there's a drag queen that's reading to kids in a public library. And I mean, they they really foment that divide. And it, it has become more of a personality and a culture clash and a rhetorical ratcheted up debate. Are there votes in that sort of rhetoric and in that sort of debate? Well, there certainly are in the sense that what motivates people to come out to the polls? If it's fear, if it's anger, you you listen to the rhetoric that comes out from Donald Trump at the rallies as he's still going on. And then you listen to the type of rhetoric that's coming out from former President Barack Obama as he's been going out to the different rallies. There's a distinct difference in the style. And what I want to say at this time is that I think really never before, especially when you think about how quickly things can spread through social media. The divisions from the United States, maybe in the 60s, when, I mean, JFK and Robert Kennedy were assassinated and there was violence in the streets because of the Vietnam War and things like that. There wasn't social media that was carrying things around and bringing conspiracy theories to move people in a way as fast as they are today. In fact, if you look at one of the recent polls that came out from the states that says 70 percent of Americans agree that the country's democracy is at risk. Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. This is really something to give us pause as we're going into this midterm and thinking about what is happening. The dehumanizing of political opponents, not respecting the rule of the law. There have been so many Republicans already who are claiming that the midterms are rigged in advance unless they win. There have been reports after reports of conservatives sitting in arm in lawn chairs out in front of drop boxes where people are going to put in their early early voting ballots 
to, quote, watch, but critics would say intimidate people who are trying to vote. Some of these people, these, quote, watchers, are in camouflage, wearing masks and armed. You've got the Washington Post. I'm not laughing because this is startling. You've got the Washington Post who conducted a poll that found the majority of Republican candidates across the country right now are still publicly denying or questioning the results of the 2020 election. And a majority of those candidates are actually predicted to win. You know, Kevin, we simply cannot have a functioning democracy in which one party of the two parties denies the legitimacy of any election if they don't win. It is really a scary time. Gina, talk to me about the, I know you're in Ireland at the moment, but you're very much in touch with what, what is going back on at home, going on at home in America. But talk to me about all that rhetoric, all that debate, all the, I suppose, that personality clashes that you're talking about and how that has started now to seep into something possibly more dangerous. We all know about the January 6th insurrection, but this attack at Nancy Pelosi's house in recent days, that's a new thing. New horrific details are emerging about the attempted violent attack against House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, the one that ended with the wounding and hospitalization of her husband, Paul Pelosi. The alleged violent intruder, David DePap, trafficked online in far-right conspiracy theories about COVID and the 2020 election and Holocaust denialism, quote, stated that he was going to hold Nancy hostage and talk to her. Well, this is a situation where I think that we have to get to the grassroots level. Well, we have to hold leaders responsible to begin to soften their rhetoric around inciting violence or trying to put in a conspiracy theory for why this thing happened to Nancy Pelosi's husband. For example, you've got the world's richest man, Elon Musk, the new owner of Twitter, two days after he took over the helm of Twitter was when that attack happened. And he was one of the first people that put out in response to something that Hillary Clinton posted. He put out a link to a conspiracy theory about the attack. Now, he ultimately took that down, but this is the level of irresponsible communications that's happening at the leadership level. If the leaders aren't going to change, there's an opportunity potentially, although maybe a small one, for the grassroots level to come together and convince people to stop fomenting these conspiracies and begin to speak civilly to each other through social media. It's a challenge, but there are really dark days ahead if we don't have overwhelming change in how elections are done, to try to find a way to overhaul the election system around finance and those entrenched incumbent politics, and then changing at the grassroots level, as I mentioned, and again, getting leaders to begin to be part of that solution and not furthering the divide into a chasm. Well, Gina, call it for me then. Can you see the light or or are we set for a very vicious lead in on the back of these midterms to the next presidential election, which, as you say, will effectively kick off, I'd imagine, soon after Christmas. Look, after the January 6th riot at the Capitol, Republicans and Democrats for the first few moments came together and called it out. Then the politics got in front and the power got in front and the narratives were changed. I don't know how much more needs to be done, how many more lives need to be taken, how many more homes need to be broken into before somebody finally calls stop. But at this point in time, I think it's going to frankly, unfortunately, 
get darker before it gets lighter. And who do you think will hold the House and the Senate in January? Oh, I hate to be one of these crystal ball gazers and we were a week out and then you call me the but day after the election here. on November 9th and say, wrong. The polls didn't have it. I'm going to look at the special election in Kansas that there was the polls did not predict the amount of turnout. This is my hopeful optimism coming here. The polls did not predict the turnout that ultimately overturned or pre- prevented an abortion ban coming through that was put on the ballot. If enough voters can turn out, and like I said, the election results or the midterm voting results so far look like we are going for record turnout at the ballot. If enough people come out and pick sanity over chaos, that could be a turning point. As we see from our neighbours to the left and the right of us, though, that is far from guaranteed. My thanks to Gina London for joining me today. I'm Kevin Doyle, and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced and researched by Garrett Mulhall, with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips were from CNN, MSNBC, Sky News, C-SPAN, Fox News, and Independent.ie. To hear more of our award-winning journalism, visit Independent.ie or wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoy the Indo-Daily, don't forget to like, follow, and leave us a review.